I'm Gabe Kapler, manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, and you're listening to the Travel Mug Podcast with Matt O'Donnell. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt O'Donnell. I shared a coffee with Gabe Kapler at a coffee shop in his Northern Liberties neighborhood. Yes, the Phillies manager lives among the people of the city, and he loves it. Kapler talked about what brought him to play baseball in the first place, what he thinks about the shift, why he doesn't play golf, and how he dealt with a very traumatic incident when he was just eight years old. Gabe Kapler on the Travel Mug Podcast. Here we go. I'm Matt O'Donnell here with Gabe Kapler, manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. First of all, welcome to Philadelphia. Thank you very much. I love it here. You do? I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. This neighborhood in particular, Northern Liberties, is my favorite. Um, plenty of coffee shops, little bars, restaurants, places I can walk to from, from my apartment. I'm, I'm as thrilled as I could possibly be right now. Not very California, is it? No, but I, I don't necessarily fall into any like category or, or box myself into some sort of California lifestyle or East Coast lifestyle. I just enjoy being around people, enjoy good restaurants and good coffee, so is perfect for me. I want to give you two reactions, and they both come from October 30th of 2017 when you were hired officially as the manager of the Phillies. So please join me in welcoming the new manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, Gabe Kapler. You got it. The first reaction was, this guy's a dude. And I mean that sincerely as a positive thing. The second thing is, this guy should be playing right field for the Phillies right now. That's interesting. I, you know, both of those are, are obviously compliments. I'm not sure what the first one means, but I really understand the second one. Uh, the dude comment is this guy is going to fit in to the whole idea of what Philadelphia fans love, which is a guy who's just a dude. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I grew up in dugouts. Um, my entire career was spent on, on major league fields and minor league fields, and I've been around the game my whole life, and at my core, I am a, I'm a baseball man. So if that's what that means, then <laughs> I'll take it. And, the, you know, the idea that I should still be playing my body would not hold up. Well, not at all. That's a, it's the job of, of managing 162 games, the job of getting physically prepared, if you include spring training and the playoffs it's I, I, it shouldn't be taken lightly and and while i appreciate the compliment and i know that my body wouldn't handle it well at this point an espn article that i read states that when you were eight years old you were hit by a car and it was such a traumatic experience that you actually needed therapy to literally walk across the street uh it's dramatized a bit but um i got hit by a car broke a couple ribs kind of had like you know an eight-year-old nine-year-old reaction of like what does that mean does that mean the next time i would cross the street i'm gonna hit hit by a car again uh but there you know it was something that we got past very quickly and you know it was it was tough because i didn't get to go play baseball and that that's what i remember most about that incident is um i walked i had a park that was right down the street from my house which is where i played baseball no no big little league it was just a, a park league and every Saturday morning, I'd walk to that park and stay there all day long and play baseball all day long. And after I got hit by that car, it, it took a while before I was back playing every day. So that was the most disappointing thing that happened then. It's not something that defined you is basically what you're saying. No. At least I, in your early years. I don't think I had, in my, especially in my early years, I don't think I had any real defining moments. 
what made you want to play baseball? I had a, an older brother who played baseball, and, and he was three years older than me, and I basically wanted to do everything that he did. But once I started playing, I couldn't stop. And, um, you know, people often ask me, like, how, how should they develop their kids from a baseball playing standpoint? And I always say, just leave them alone. Don't do anything with them. Don't give them any instruction. If they take a tennis ball out and throw it against the wall for two hours, you know that they're going to be good at baseball. Um, it's that's how I got good at baseball is laying on my bed and throwing a baseball up uh, above my head over and over and over going to the park throwing a ball off the wall over and over and over playing with my friends with taped up socks over and over and over and that's how you develop muscle memory um, I just I didn't want to do anything else when I was a kid you developed as a hitter obviously rather than a pitcher was there anything that drew you towards that side of the sport rather than the other I don't think so. I don't think there was anything in particular. I, I just, well, I never. I don't even think I ever got on the mound. Um, nobody ever said, "Hey, this is a, an, an opportunity for you or a possibility for you." I just had a bat in my hand, and, and as early as I can remember, even plastic bats and balls, and throwing the ball up and, and whacking it. So never remember getting on a mound. The the greatest hitters in Major League history failed most of the time. Yeah, is that something about the sport that? you feel like I need to adjust to and, and to deal with more so than anything else? What do you mean when you say adjust to? Do, do you, I need to adjust to it or do we need to adjust to it as hitters? The, the failure aspect is very hard for a lot of people to deal with. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of children stop playing baseball. It's just hard. Yes. And, and, and the failure aspect is hard to deal with. Yeah. How, do you, how do you get over that? I don't think you do. Um, I think you learn to take a punch and get back up. I think that's the character of our club right now is we lose a couple of games or we lose a heartbreaking game and we we get back up and we fight. Very similar for a hitter. You're going to go through slumps. You're going to go through periods of time where you have the round ball and the round bat. Everything you hit lands in somebody else's glove. You're you're perceived to be failing. Um, When in reality, you're doing everything right. Your process is strong. So we lean on the process. We lean on the fact that the work that we've done is, is good and that over the course of time, our balls will fall on the grass, in the gaps, over the fence. You said the process. I did say the process. Um, I, I don't think that's unique to sports. I don't think it's unique to basketball or the Sixers or baseball or the Phillies. I think working a strong process in anything we do gives us the best opportunity to have success because outcomes are often out of our control. Processes are often within our control. So you're a major proponent of fitness and healthy eating. Uh, you have your own blog, Cap Lifestyle. Take a look at it. A lot of great stuff. You take excellent care of yourself. And you proudly stated, and you wrote a whole article about the fact that you never took steroids. Do you understand why some players did and do? Um, sure, sure. Uh, I think that players tend to want to get a competitive edge. And, you know, there's various ways to look at it, right? Like, it's performance-enhancing drugs, but it's also sign-stealing. Um, it's looking for pitch-tipping, by way of example. Anything they can give you that competitive advantage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand it. The one thing that you wrote that I thought was really interesting about it was you felt it gave players confidence more than anything else. 
wasn't a physical advantage. It was the confidence advantage, which I think says a lot about baseball. I think so. I you know as talking to some players who dabbled, they would say things like it made me feel ten feet tall and bulletproof. Um, in baseball, the most important element of success is confidence. If you ask a player why he's struggling, he's going to probably lean on the fact that he doesn't have a whole lot of confidence. So there's the element of making muscles bigger or getting stronger or recovering faster, and then there's the confidence uh, component, and I think that's probably why players did what they did. But you got to the point, and I've also found this interesting. You say when you got 24, 25 years old, your body started to slow down, and I don't think a lot of people realize how early that happens. That's right. I mean, that's very well studied that in your early 20s, you begin to lose a lot of your hormone production, your testosterone production, your growth hormone production. Um, So that's why you see players begin to age so quickly at the major league level. And, And they're not actually aging that quickly. They're just not producing at such a high level. And I think football is the, the greatest example of this. Um, tailbacks are generally at their fastest in their very early 20s. And then you see a dramatic drop-off. And all of a sudden they're getting chased down. Like the really good tailbacks are getting chased down by defensive ends and, and linebackers. And once that happens, it's really hard to recover. That's why you don't see stretches of 8, 9, 10 years by, by the best tailbacks because they literally get chased down by much bigger defenders. Um, so if you go from a four-five to a four-five-five to a four-six, it's dramatic, and so you know that's I think that's the best illustration of, of how that works in in bodies. Let's talk about your career. You hit ten home runs in sixty-four games as a rookie for the Detroit Tigers, and that had not been done in the franchise in forty-four years. It's nineteen. It's it's nineteen ninety-nine that we're talking about. So. Um, hit 18 home runs that year, and I didn't realize that I hit the first 10 in 68 games. It's not something that I th- that I think about a whole lot. The, the question is, and, and by the way, it's, it's very impressive. The, the question is, is the home run overappreciated in Major League Baseball? I don't think it is. It's um, a, a player who has the ability to hit home run has ability to score without the assistance of anybody. So it's a big deal, right? Like there's numerous ways to score a run. You can string together three singles. Um, but if you're down a run and you don't ex- have the expectation that you need to get several hits in a row or have a walk plus a double um, or a pass ball and you can do it by yourself, that's a skill that is sought after in Major League Baseball. You're a major analytics guy. And that's part of the reason why the Phillies were so impressed with you and that's why you were hired when they were looking for a new manager. Can data crunching be too much, in your opinion? I think if balanced with observation and balanced with experience, it can be quite useful. Um, I think the word analytics analytics has been kind of like demonized, and I don't I don't love the word because really all analytics is is information, and you and I, in our lives, make decisions every day with information. Experience becomes information. Um, so in theory, analytics is, is every bit of information that you get, can get your hands on data crunching. It's probably different than just information in general. Uh, but all information is useful from my perspective. What do you think about going with your gut? 
I think it's great sometimes. Um, and generally our guts are driven by information that we've gleaned over a long period of time. So, you know, without the experience of seeing it over and over and over, without the reading that we do, um, without the understanding of how good our athletes are, we don't really have a gut. The gut comes from our experiences and from information. So I think going with your gut, as long as your gut is well prepared, is a, is a really good idea. Should the MLB ban the shift? Um, no, not in my opinion. I mean, it's just a, a strategic way to get an advantage. It's a strategic way to defend against something that the opposition does very well. So in my opinion, no. Hmm. Some people think it should just because it's something that... What do you think? That, what do I think? I think that when you put too many rules in a game, it makes it less fun. And so I, I would say no. But... Other people would say 20 years ago, managers wouldn't use it. And I think the stigma has receded and more people or more managers will. And people think it, it costs it runs in the game. Get it. I, under, I understand that perspective. It makes some sense. What would you like to see with the game that if you could change? I love the emotion of the game. I mean, I don't really think that it's there's a lot of changes that I that I look at and be like, oh, we should do this or we should do that. But I love the emotion. Like Michael Franco's back bat flip the other day, I thought was sensational. Um, I love when pitchers celebrate on the mound. I love when players smile and laugh and have a great time. And I think there is a, a push towards like kind of removing and stripping out some emotion. And I think it should go just the opposite direction. I think one of the things that makes football great and basketball great is all the emotion and the celebration. I think baseball is kind of stuck in this, we should all do it the same mentality, which I celebrate individuality and diversity. So I just, I would love to see guys celebrate. Less like golf, more like football. I think so. I think so. Do you play golf, by the way? I don't. No? No. Why not? Um, I don't know. If I have three hours to string together, I want to sit and relax and read and if I want to do something physical I'd rather play hoops than play golf I it's not it's just not the way I would want to spend I, I understand why people enjoy it it's just not the way I would spend three four hours what do you think about the proliferation of travel baseball and how it's cost a lot of legion teams players and even some little league teams a lot of players just want to play travel baseball um I'm good with what makes people tick you know like if I'm big on to each his own. I'm not going to condemn anybody for making the choices for their families. If travel ball is what makes people happy and travel ball is what develops people's sons and daughters well, then I'm good with it. Okay. Are you a fan of the multi-sport athlete or the specialization athlete? I'm, I'm a fan of what makes kids enjoy sports. So if a kid wants to focus on baseball year-round, eat, drink, and sleep it, I'm a fan of that. If a kid wants to play football in October and baseball in April and run track in the summer, I'm a fan of that too. It's really, I don't like the idea of kids getting pushed to do things. Um, I think if they gravitate towards sports naturally, that should be celebrated. To each his own. Definitely. I, I respect people and, and the decisions that they make for themselves. Were you nervous when you took the job 
particularly about how the fans here in the city had this reputation of being very tough? No, because I don't. I have a. I have very thick skin. I don't get bent out of shape easily, um, and I'm I'm pretty even. So, wow, people ride waves of emotion um, based on wins and losses. I tend to stay very very focused on the step right in front of me. Um, it's just my personality. So I don't. I, that was not something that made me nervous at all. What's the best thing a Phillies fan has said to you? I guess we support you. I mean, I've gotten that from fans on the street here in Northern Liberties and um, or anywhere in the city generally. I've gotten a tremendous amount of support. I've been treated really, really well here. Um, people have, have cared for me. So I guess across the board, I, I think it's been really good. Can I ask what the worst thing yeah. has ever said to you? I mean, I don't, there hasn't been a whole lot. I mean, obviously at the ballpark I've had some some moments, but... Tune it out, man. I got I have too much work to do to to be consumed with um, little little tidbits here and there. What's the favorite thing about living in Philadelphia for you? I really like the people. Um, people are incredibly friendly. I love this, the layout of the city. I love the history of the city. Uh, I love the look of a row home. By way of example, love South Philadelphia. Really cool. Uh, I don't know that there's anything one thing in particular, but I like I like walking the streets of Philly. What made you choose Northern Liberties? I looked all over the place, and it just kind of felt like home. Um, two blocks from here, three blocks from here, and this little place, Cafe Lamotte, is you know my favorite little resting spot. I come here in the mornings, drink coffee, and pull out my iPad and enjoy a half an hour of work before I go to the ballpark. Who is your all-time favorite baseball player? Uh, Fred McGriff was my guy growing up, so I had posters of him on, on my wall. Um, usually, and I, I've been reading a lot about various athletes and their favorite athletes growing up, it could be a baseball player, but there's one athlete that I grew up watching overall else, and that was Charles Barkley. So Barkley, I had McGriff posters on my wall, I had Barkley posters on my wall. My teams were all over the map, and I was from Southern California, uh, but Barkley was a big inspiration to me. Six foot four and a half, out-rebounded the league. Um, just kind of, a, for me, and a little bit of an underdog and, and a fighter. You are proud of your Jewish heritage. You have a Star of David tattooed on your leg. Do you feel pressure as a representative of the Jewish community in any way, or do you embrace it? Oh, I don't feel any pressure. Um, I feel lucky to be kind of a role model in that regard, and I take it, I take it as a serious responsibility. I'm really proud of my heritage and where I come from and who I am. You brought Eagle Center Jason Kelsey to spring training. The players loved it. Looking back on that now, how much of a difference did that make? I think it was a huge difference maker for us. There was a, It was a pretty inspirational day. And I think it gave our players in that clubhouse a good understanding of, of what, what can happen in this city when we win. And I told our players in spring training that I thought that the team, the men in that room right then and, and there, could win a lot of baseball games. And I think Jason echoed that sentiment beautifully. Uh, it's almost like if I, if I were a player on the Phillies, I'd be jealous of him. Look at, look at, he's on top of the world right now. And it would make me hungry. Is that the feeling you got? Definitely not a feeling of jealousy. Um, <laughs> Maybe hunger. Uh, I'll buy that. Like 
that's that's enticing. That's something that we want to experience as a group. Um, the Eagles were the best in the world, and I think we want to feel that feeling for sure. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't lean in the direction of jealousy though. Fair enough. What do you think about the future of baseball in terms of it being such a cerebral game, being a slow game, sometimes taking a long time for there to be a result? Do you think those are handicaps for the future of baseball? Um, I think a handicap for the future of baseball is staying stagnant and not being responsive to what baseball fans want. And also losing the very young fans that maybe are, are digesting baseball differently than, than I did when I was a kid. So if they're consuming their baseball games via social media and people are trying to say, let's consume it like I always consumed it on the radio or on television or even streaming, right? Like we all don't consume sports the same way. So being tone deaf to what people want now is, it could be detrimental for the sport. What would you have done if you didn't have baseball? I don't know. Um, I like building things. I like building building teams. Um, I like helping people be the best version of themselves. So perhaps building a company of some sort. So a businessman of some sort. I wouldn't box it in like that. I'd say... Um, the first answer, the first and most honest and direct answer to your question is, I don't know. The second, if I dive a little bit deeper, is leading a group of people. Phillies manager, Gabe Kapler. Thanks for joining us on the Travel Mug Podcast. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Gabe Kapler for his time. He went on to face the Marlins later that day and grabbed another win as the new Phillies manager. As I told him, the team has already exceeded all expectations. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe. We have several other episodes, including one with former Eagles quarterback Ron Jaworski. He talks about the future for Nick Foles, the true meaning behind his nickname, Jaws, and whether the birds beat the goat. I'm Matt O'Donnell, looking forward to bringing you another Travel Mug podcast very soon. Travel Mug, over and out.